Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Mostly I just want you to stop talking now. the Xbox Game Passengers podcast. I'm your host, Derek Cranevelt, and this is usually the show where myself and a guest will dissect and discuss a single game that's available on Microsoft's Game Pass service, which was chosen for us completely at random. But we're doing something else today because we are down in Seattle, and it's PAX West, and we've been playing a lot of games. And by we, I mean it's myself and uh, my longtime partner and often guest, Michaela Maxwell. How are you doing tonight, Michaela? Hey, I'm good. Good. I'm good. I've been at PAX all day playing games. I feel like games, I've barely seen things. you. Right? This is exciting. We're playing we get games to hang instead. Um, yeah. So, so if this is your first time, this is an atypical episode. Uh, it's a special episode. There'll be one tonight and there'll be one tomorrow night. Uh, Michaela is probably going to take the reins because as you can potentially hear, uh, it's kind of like a, it's a two year running tradition at this point that when I get, I, I get to PAX and I'm sick. And last year that involved just feeling nauseous, feeling crappy for the day, for the first day that we're here. Uh, this year I wake up on Thursday morning, a day before we drive down to Seattle and I have no voice. And that is still a spot that I'm in and out of. Um, mostly in, mostly, mostly in. So, uh, yeah. So, so, you know, thank you for being with me. Um, but yeah, this is going to be, watch out y'all. This is the Michaela podcast now. (laughs) Oh no. Um, so yeah, we're going to be talking about a bunch of different games that are not out yet. Uh, you know, may, some of them might be end up on Game Pass. We don't know. We don't have any idea. Some of them might not even end up on Xbox. So we're going to be talking about a bunch of different stuff. Um, but yeah, usually every two weeks, me, a guest, random Xbox Game Pass game, whether it's great or it's horrible, we have to play through it. We got to share our thoughts and, and yeah, so, you know jump back in just a few days uh the gears of war ultimate edition episode uh very conveniently lands just a few days before gears of war 5 does i promise i did not plan that uh but yeah we're talking about packs we got here last night we didn't make the first day of packs uh but we we came down we checked into our airbnb and we oh my gosh and our airbnb has the cutest dogs so I got to snuggle them, and they just like rolled right up on you and gave you some snugs, even though they didn't know you. It was perfect. This Anyways, is... go on. I just had to. Side note, Michaela podcast. Uh, yeah, okay. I love dogs. So, um, 
yeah, we we jumped right down to uh, downtown Seattle to a place called the Crocodile, where IGN and uh, and Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven were putting on a party slash cosplay contest. Uh, so we got to check out that for a little bit. Uh, nothing really like there's no. I mean, we saw fifteen minutes of new footage yesterday. Uh, prior to that, it launched in the morning. Very cool footage. So if you haven't seen that yet, it's definitely worth a look and definitely worth a watch. It's about 15 minutes long. Um, but they had a cosplay contest where it's actually pretty neat because there was probably like 12 entrants. Um, they were all pretty good. A couple standouts for sure. But, uh, the prize, this was like a qualifier for like a finale that's happening to next year sometime before the game comes out. And, uh, there was about 12 people. The prize for the qualifier was $2,000, a like expenses paid trip to wherever the finale will be, uh, collector's edition of the game, a uh, bunch of other cyberpunk related merch as well. So we saw, you know, a bunch of, uh, people dressed as V, um, a bunch of people dressed as Johnny Silverhand, who is Keanu Reeves character. I was really hoping Keanu would just show up, but he didn't. Yeah, that was a, a you know missed opportunity. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it was a fun time. And uh, the girl who won had a great jacket where the logo on the back yes, was actually lit, up. lit yeah. up. Yeah, and then everybody had these like foam collar things, like one of the characters that was v, lit the up main inside. Character, yeah, um, and the uh, creator of Cyberpunk actually, uh, like the tabletop game, Mike something was there as well. He Man, was, he was great. His voice was amazing. <laughs> it was. It was. I wonder. He. He. I could see him having. Something to like a voice part in the game. Yeah, as well. he just felt like a character. The way that he talked and like just his presence, <clears throat> he looked so unassuming. And then as soon as he opened his mouth, you were like, "What is happening? Where are we? Who is this host of things?" <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was a cool time. Uh, so we did that, and then we went down early this morning for a couple of early appointments. It, it packs is it, they kind of have changed things around this year in that the entrance has changed. They've upped security, uh, which makes a lot of sense based on, you know, current, uh, have they? yeah, yeah. I, I feel like the whole metal detector and stuff was not here last year. It was at Emerald City. It was at Emerald. Yeah, but Pax Pax has always been a little bit more lax. Mm. I feel like, and this year it felt uh, more secure. Which uh, you know, based on recent, it's great. I don't want to get yeah, shot. Yeah, uh, and we're gonna, in America. I was gonna try to put it, you know, a little bit. Oh nah. You know, <laughs> everybody's getting shot up in here. Oh my gosh, I don't want none of that. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so we, they open up early for media people and for content creators at this point. So we actually were able to jump in at 9am, uh, with our first appointments coming up at like 10 ish. And, uh, so we jumped right into Borderlands three, which we, you know, we got to see a little bit of when we were in San Diego for, at the museum of mayhem that they put on. But this time around, we got to play the game. Uh, so we played a demo and hey, why don't you talk about it? Cause my voice is disappearing. For a Michaela podcast, I feel like you're doing a lot of talking so far. Um, so basically, we got in line for Borderlands. It was great because we could get in a little bit early. Um, there was somebody standing behind us who was actually uh, quite interesting and chatted with us. So that was kind of nice. And then um, I was getting nervous because it's like a first-person shooting game, right? It is, yeah. Yeah. And I'm not very good at those. I still struggle with moving two sticks to do one thing. And so lots of times I end up in a quarter just like shooting at my feet and it's not great. And as we stood there watching other people play, I was like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, I've screwed up. Um, But then 
we didn't have to wait too long and we managed to get in there before one of us had to leave for their first appointment. And, uh, there was like 50 different computer stations set up. And so what they were doing is letting people in big chunks at a time. So they'd let 50 people in and then they'd had 20 minutes to play. And then those people would leave and the next group would come in. So I felt like that made it go really smoothly and it felt quick. And it wasn't like you were waiting for one person over and over again, which was really nice. Um, and I do really love the art style of Borderlands. It's like one of my favorite cosplays to see. And it's always really interesting. Like it's just bright and colorful and kind of badass. And it's like, I don't know what the art style is called, but it's, it's like, like a cell shaded. Okay. Yeah. It's like simple, but very um, stylized. Totally. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's great. Well, uh, and, I, and I feel like it's a. Like we've played a little bit of it before together yeah. and with friends, with which friends has and, been super fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're always, it's cool because it's, I mean, they always have split screen, which I really appreciate it. I really appreciate, sorry. And, uh, it's pretty like accessible as well. Like, because you're playing with groups of like, you know, two to four people generally, uh, there are people that, you know, if you're in a, in a tougher firefight, you can kind of fall back and it's not too big of a deal. Or if you die, like people can revive you pretty easily. So even in the case like yourself, where you're not super comfortable with some of the mechanics and, and you, you might not feel like you're that strong in terms of aiming or anything like that. Like you can still play and you can still have fun, totally. uh, which is not like, not every shooter feels like that. No. So, and that actually, that was part of my nervousness because I didn't have my posse with me today. So there was nobody to like have my back and make sure that I came back if I died. Um, but then once we actually got into it, cause everyone's playing on their own, playing this like specific demo fight, uh, it was not that bad. I got like at least eight kills. I only died three times. I came back every time. So that was great. Um, and I actually felt accomplished and because I kept coming back, I could go in and like figure out, okay, um, this, what do you call the, like, turret is shooting at me, and that's why I died. So I'm going to figure out how to find a grenade, and then I'm going to throw that at the turret because I don't know how else to take it out. And that was successful, so then I could move on. It was just really nice to, like, feel like I could actually do it. And so I definitely came away from that feeling more likely to play that game either on my own um just because it's fun or with friends because I feel like it's super cool looking and I enjoyed playing it so much on my own. I'm only going to enjoy playing it with friends even more. Sure. And from what I remember as well, they've kind of problem I had previously with Borderlands or any really online multiplayer game is that like, oh, I didn't have a chance to play for two days. Now everyone's really far ahead of me and it's not as fun. I think they scale things differently for this game. So I think that even if you're in a spot where you're playing with friends that have played significantly more than you, uh, it shouldn't feel like you're not doing anything or that they're just carrying you or anything like that. So that's pretty cool. Um, if you are at PAX, I, we still got two days left. Uh, the booth got capped pretty quickly once the, uh, once the show floor opened to the general public by pretty quickly, I mean like 30 seconds, um, but it does uncap every hour and a half. Right. Yeah. Cause when it caps, it's a X amount of people and it's it's about an hour and a half's worth of play time at that point. Uh, pretty good swag there too. They give you a bag uh, with a uh, like a 
mask. mask. I don't remember what the what the enemy type is, but a mask and uh, uh, some art prints that are really really cool. You know, look familiar if you did attend San Diego Comic Con. Uh, and a t shirt. They gave you a t shirt as well, which was pretty. I love so. the t shirt. Yeah, it's yeah. super cute. Uh, what did you play after that? After that, I went and I went to my like first official meetup with somebody. And I played Wanderlust. Wanderlust? How do you pronounce that word? I think Wanderlust. Wanderlust. Um, which is something that I was super stoked to get into because it's a game uh, specifically about traveling. And I am all about traveling. Not that I get to do it, but I get to wish that I could do it all the time. Um, and so this game, the premise is it takes you through four different people's stories of traveling through different continents or countries. And, um, it's kind of a choose your own adventure style of thing, I believe, where as you go through the story, then you get to choose, oh, like, for example, I was in Thailand, I was playing as a female character who had just graduated from university taking fashion design and um uh and the character was on this like self-discovery journey in thailand and so you arrive in thailand and then you have all these options to like go to the market and to go over here and have a beer Mm. and then you like stumble across this thing and there's a guy there who's like an American who is like, Oh, you, you knew here kind of thing. And you like start talking to strangers because that's what happens when you're traveling. People connect. It's crazy. <laughs> um, and so you have all these options to like talk to the guy or you don't talk to the guy. And then that kind of dictates what happens next. But at the same time, as you're having these experiences, you're making choices and then those choices are contributing to your fatigue and your stress level. And then based on those levels, you're either like you go, you go through different emotions and then the way that things are perceived as you are in whatever emotion you're in um, changes based on Mm. where you're at. So like lots of the time, my character's emotions based on my choices were kind of calm, but like at one point she was sad and at one point she was lonely. And so I guess as you get further into the game, I only played for about 20 minutes. So obviously I don't know all of the things and didn't have all of the experiences. Um, But as you get further in, that dictates sort of what the experience is going to look like. Um, And it was really, in talking to one of the developers afterwards, it was really interesting because I noticed that I was playing the game based on me. Like, I was making choices that I would make. It was like, go to a food stall or go to the fashion market or go to a temple. And I was like, well, I'm going to go to a temple. Why would anyone choose? And then afterwards I realized that I was playing as a character who was a fashion designer. Mm. So of course that person would go to wherever the fashion things are. Were these, and were these stories, were they based on real people and real travels? Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, they totally were. So So what, so what would it mean in the, in a situation like that where, the real person probably did this. What does it, what does it mean when you choose a different road to take instead? So I think it's based on real people, but the story is developed as like a fictional story because obviously they need to make choices. Like because you're making choices, there's different ways in which the story can evolve. Yeah. Yeah. But 
It's interesting. I've never played a game like this before. There's no, you don't see a character. You're not walking through the world. It's just kind of a faded out map that shows you like where you are in the world. Okay. Um, and then just written story on the other side of the screen. And so you're just reading through this experience and then it'll say, oh, you know, you have the choice to go to the fashion place or to the temple and you click on the one that you choose. And then from that choice, you're just reading more narrative. And so, um, yes, it's based on other people's experiences, but at the same time, I noticed that I was really, every time you're making a choice or every time it's describing something, it's very descriptive, like smells and sights and colors oh, and really? busyness and all that stuff. And so as it's describing so it's very things, like descriptive in everything that you're totally. taking in at that point. So it is drawing the picture for you, but oh, it's okay. doing it with written word. Yeah. Um, and that's a allowing you to use your imagination to, to, conjure up whatever thailand is going to look like for you but also like for myself i noticed i've had experiences similar to what i was reading when i went to nepal and so for me i'm like coloring the story that they're telling with my own previous experience and so i'm painting that picture in my own personal way right and it felt like a very personal experience like apparently a lot of people like to play the game um Oh, oh my gosh, am I losing at? my voice? What is happening? <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, apparently, a lot of people like to play the game kind of in private on their own so that they can have whatever experience, like, so that it is more personal and and they're not exposing themselves right. so much, which I found pretty interesting. And I, I think it, it, one of the developers was one of the people that I was interviewing. Yeah. And he worked on the first Witcher game, okay. which I thought was quite interesting. Oh, right, because this was in totally the whole like Polish world. developer yeah. area, right? Yeah, yeah. It's very interesting. This this PAX it was apparent last year as well. But there's on the sixth floor, which is where the like really indie developers generally are, um, along with the PAX Ten, which is like a basically indie developers submit their games to PAX, and PAX picks the ten that they think are the best. Uh, and like feature them under this PAX 10 banner. Uh, but they, there's always this like big Polish sec- section. Um, and you see like a lot of, you know, Blooper Team was there with Blair Witch, which just came out a couple of days ago. Um, this game, uh, another game that we'll talk about in a little while. Um, all sorts Last of different. Last year, Bee Simulator was there. That was super <laughs> rad. I do remember Bee Simulator. You were really Who could that. forget it? Mm-hmm. Um, what did you do? What was your first game? I went and I played Final Fantasy VII. Ooh, yeah. So I was, Derek. yeah, I was younger than that. No way. Yeah, it came out like '97. I probably played it in '98. So you were seven, eight, eight, seven wow. or eight years old. Yeah, yeah. So Final Fantasy VII is getting a remake. Who knew? Uh, but uh, finally, it's playable, and um, you can play it on the show floor. As far as I'm aware, people start showing up at about 6 a.m. to get tickets. So you have to be very deliberate and very, you have to really want it, essentially. The demo is about 20 minutes long, uh, and it is a 
early on stage in the game, it is, you know, you're, it's just Cloud and Barrett. Nobody trusts Cloud yet, or Barrett doesn't trust Cloud yet because he's just kind of a hired gun at this point. But you guys are going to blow up, I, th- I think, the Shinra Energy Factory or something like that. I, I It's been a, you know, I was eight, eight years old a long time ago, so I don't remember the storyline that well. Uh, there's a couple of cutscenes that kind of introduce you to things, but you're pretty well into the action right away. And I mean, just like, like, it's probably the same demo that Josh played, that which we chatted about back on our E3 special episode. But, um, yeah, it's even after talking to him and he said it was the best, best, best thing that he did at E3. And, you know, I was still, it's still tough to, you know, it's just so different from what you're used to or what you remember or what you expect because for the most part, the turn-based battles are not present and it is, it feels like much more of an action oriented title. Um, but within minutes, I was like, like big smile on my face, like, holy crap, this is, you know, this is like, uh, uh, this is like what I imagined this game to be in my head. But then when you go back to it, you're like, oh, wow, this character is made of like two polygons. Like it just, <laughs> and it looks phenomenal. It looks super polished. And even when you're, you know, what, like one thing I wondered how it was going to transition to this new play style is, you know, the games, the Final Fantasy series is always big and flashy and there's these insane cinematics when you're doing spells or summons or, or like your limit breaks or anything like that. Um, and it, those all feel like they're still present and they are still cinematic. Like you're, you're kind of fighting in real time, but you can pull up, um, basically like, a uh, abilities menu at any point. And as long as your like action gauge is built up enough, you can use these skills. Um, and time kind of freezes when you're selecting the skills and also be, you know, obviously you have a party of people and um, there's more than one person fighting these enemies at once. Uh, You can kind of use the shoulder buttons at any point to select skills for your teammates, but also the directional pad will switch between teammates. So you can take full on control of any person in your party whenever you want. Uh, So you could, you know, cloud obviously is using his sword for some close up, uh, you know, sword play and those, that sort of moves. But now, you know, you end up fighting like, a, I can't remember what the name, it's something Scorpion. Um, it's kind of like a mini boss feeling, uh, enemy. Uh, you can switch to Barrett at any, at any point and, Barrett obviously has a gun and you can just kind of shoot from longer range. Uh, and so there's like heavy attacks and light attacks and, uh, the skills and the spells and, and it all just blends together beautifully. Um, honestly, I like, again, talking to Josh, he was, he sounded so excited for it after playing it. I was still like, "Uh, I don't know. Like it feels too different. And, uh, you know, not that I should have any say because I last played it probably when I was eight or eight or 10 years old. Uh, but it feels fantastic and I cannot wait to get more time with it. Um, yeah, it looked, I mean, it's still, I think it comes out in March and they've obviously been working on it for a very long time. This is a very early on portion of the game, but it looked and felt extremely polished and I can't wait to see what the rest of this world looks like. The rest of the characters look like it's going to be really, really freaking fantastic and a great, and you know, I think this is going to be a big jumping on point for, you know, like it, a lot of people my age that would have played this when they were little have kids now. And, and I think, think that it'll be of a, a very cool experience to, pick this up when it comes out and, and play it, play through it with your kid. Um, you know, I can definitely see something like that happening, which I think is really cool. Uh, while I was there, I also played through a demo of trials of mana, which is a new game in the mana series coming out. It felt, I, I, 
it was great. Like I really enjoyed my time with it. But after spending 20 minutes with Final Fantasy VII, everything's going to pale in comparison, I think. <laughs> uh, especially it was like, okay, like stand up and go to this other station and play this other game in the same room. And it's like, well, can I just play that other thing again? Cause Why didn't was... they just make you play that one first? Yeah, yeah. It would have been, uh, that would have been a better idea. Yeah. Um, nothing wrong with it. Like a great graphical style. It's, it's been quite some time since I played like a JRPG and it feels like they're all more action oriented now. Like even in this game, it was, you know, you have light and heavy attacks and a dodge and you're not, it's not turn-based like the old mana game. Were the old mana games turn-based? I don't even remember. It's been that long. And I, think I don't I, even know what a mana game is. Right. Dang. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, it's a great series by, you know, you. Square Enix, just like Final Fantasy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, uh, was a fun time and I'm not sure when that one comes out, but that was my time with the square stuff. Uh, yeah. What did you play next? Uh, I moved on to another game in the, what do we call that booth? The Poland booth? It was just the, it's just like the Polish general Polish. Booth, yeah. Um, called liberated and oh my God, this might be my favorite game of the whole show. We've only been here for I one day, know, but I love it so much. How do you, how do you ever, it's like final fantasy. I played my final fantasy first and then sure. I should have played all the other ones before that. Just kidding. I'll just go back and play this one again. Uh, yeah. So it's a, it's just such an interesting concept. It's a graphic novel that you are both reading, air quotes, the way that you would read a graphic novel. Uh, it's kind of top-down looking at the... What do you call the squares in a comic? Uh, like panel? Yeah. You're top-down looking at the panels. And in some of the panels, like the characters or the background or whatever, like things are moving, but it's a static image where things are moving. Does that make sense? Totally. Like It's not like a progression. It's just an image. And so you go through a few of those and then you'll come to a panel where now you like kind of go into the panel and you have control of the character and then you'll have different objectives depending on what the panel is. Oh, I remember watching a trailer for that game and it looked really cool. It is such an interesting concept. So like, uh, the first objective I had was I was on platform zero and I needed to get to platform one or, or the other way around. I can't remember of a train station. And I had to like dodge all these people and get to the platform within 30 seconds so that I didn't miss my train so I could go home. And so I like had to do it twice, but whatever, that's just because of video games and me. no big <laughs> deal. Um, but it was just so neat because, like, you you go into it and it's, I again, I don't know what the art style is called, but it's kind of like a noir, black and gray, like, just kind of um, not eerie, but kind of dark feeling. Um, and the, like, guy is running through and as he's running past, like, advertisements on little billboards within the train station, as he runs past them, each one lights up because it knows that he's there. And so I imagine that it's choosing advertisements based on who that character is, which is quite interesting, too. Um, and then I managed to get up to the right spot and blah, blah, blah. And then once you finish that task, 
then it moves on to, um, it kind of like zooms back out or whatever to the rest of the graphic novel and you go through a few more panels. And so you're like learning the story in the way that you would a graphic novel, but then you become a participant in it in order to move the story forward, which is quite interesting. Um, and then it's like, that was like just straight up rushing to make a train. And then the next panel that I was participating in was you needed to be stealthy in order to avoid being caught by the cops. Mm. And, um, and so I really struggled with that one. But you know what I love about doing these things? There's always a developer or somebody who's involved with the game who's, like, standing two feet away from you. And then they <laughs> see you struggling like a noob with their game. And they come over and they, like, offer you a little help or a little suggestion. Or sometimes, in my case, they will just straight up take the controller from me when I'm like, I'm going to burst into tears if I have to try anymore. Which did not happen on this particular game. Um Anyways, but I didn't get super deep into the story, but in talking about it, it sounds like, well, actually in playing it, um, my character got a notification that his civilian credit score was too low. And so it was basically like Meow Meow Beans, like, or what do you call it? And what did they call it? You know, that Black Mirror episode where um, everybody just rates each other yeah, on an yeah. app on their phone. And like, as your score goes lower, yeah. then you like can't rent a car and things I like that. Community did it first. Yeah, Meow Meow Beans, what? I made a Meow Meow Beans reference today to, like, some other game dev, and she was like, what? <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's just a, it's a TV show reference, and then I was like, I don't know what the real thing is called. But uh, in talking to the developer of uh, Liberated, he was mentioning that this is a real thing that is happening in China, where they are actually raiding each other, and that is affecting their presence in society. Mm. And then I was like, A, it's horrifying that I don't know about this. I need to read a newspaper. And B, it's horrifying that that exists in the world. And where are we going as humans? But anyways, so your character, this is happening. And then after that, every time he passed a billboard, instead of it showing him an advertisement, it was telling him that his score was low and he needed to report to the oh, police really? officers. That's cool. Yeah, it was super interesting. And so... But then again, in conversation about how the story progresses, you play as this character for a while. And then at some point you switch to a police officer character. And so you're seeing the characters like your original character right. as like a rebel who is going against societal norms. And like you have all these reasons why you're right and he's wrong sure. and you need to get him and you need to capture him and blah, blah, blah. And it just really shows how like everybody has their own expectations and their own set of rules that dictate what is right and wrong. And nobody's just a bad person. Everybody's just out there living, doing what they think is the best thing to be doing. Oh my God. I just want to play this whole entire <laughs> game. So like, not only is the art style super cool, right. I've never seen a graphic novel style video game where you're like, it's literally a graphic novel and a video game in one. You never played comics zone for the Sega Genesis. Did you? Sure. Didn't sure. Didn't. I'm just kidding. It's very different. not the same. No. Um, and the story is like super relevant sure. and super interesting and, you know, liberated for number one. Was that, uh, what platforms is that for? Is that just a PC game or do you know if that was coming elsewhere? Yep. Yep. 
<laughs> I can't remember right now. Okay. I should have written it down. Yeah, it's all good. Um, but you know what? You can listen to, we're going to have a podcast where I actually interview most of the people whose games I played. Sure. So you can get a lot of that information on that podcast. Cool. That'll be up next airs. week sometime, mm-hmm. uh, which I'm really looking forward to because some of those games do sound very interesting. Yeah. And I did not play them myself because I didn't really see you all day. Yeah. Uh, you're like, screw off. I'm going to go play video games. Uh, you were like, screw off. I got some Final <laughs> Fantasy to play. And I was like, cool. See you later. Uh, yeah. Uh, so next up for me, I did a, uh, I went, I, I was lucky enough to get a ticket for Sony and the PlayStation booth had a 20 plus minute long death stranding experience. And I could not say no to that. Death stranding is a, I I've been avoiding a lot of the content from that game just cause it looks so weird and so interesting. And, and it, it looks so, I don't know, like, Traditional Kojima games always have this level, I don't want to say campiness, but they're like, maybe campy is the right word, but they're serious and ridiculous all at the same time. And it's a feeling that I really felt was lost for the most part in Metal Gear Solid 5. And that's why I didn't love Metal Gear Solid 5, uh, much to Shane O'Hare's uh, dismay. But um, yeah, they, this game has that. And I've been avoiding as much as I could, but I couldn't pass this up. So in the demo, you learn it, it, demo, I say demo, but it's a bunch of character vignettes, basically. So you're going to introduce to a bunch of characters from the game. Um, and then there's some gameplay inside of the trailers that we're watching as well. Most of it, as far as I know, was publicly available already, but there was some new footage there as well. That said, I don't know what the new footage was because it was pretty much all new to me. But uh, it's so hard to get into and so hard to talk about without, I I don't know, I'm still confused. I still don't really know what's happening. Uh, Norman Reedus is trying to rebuild America. He's got a weird baby on him, uh, as do a lot of other people. The babies are somehow the link between essentially the the living and the dead world. I don't know how those two are coming together, but uh, they're actually like grown inside of a still mother. Uh, so it's basically a, a the baby keeps growing in the womb of a mother that has died, and that is what gives them the power to essentially be the connection between these two worlds. Um, and there's some weird gameplay stuff like your character has to pee so you can urinate, and uh, you know if you fall down, the baby, what? yeah. If you, if you have, if you fall down, you know, the baby, they call them BBs, like the letter B and B, and I'm not sure what that stands for. Um, but the, you know, if you fall down, the, the baby might get like un- upset or uncomfortable. So then you basically have to like pull him off your chest using this like weird container thing. You pull him off the chest and you have to basically like rock him to sleep or something using the motion uh of the no playstation way. 4 controller oh my god yeah and it's like but and, and then oh it's so weird it and is cool it is. i just want to like see it yeah. i just want to know what it's about do you want to like, get the collector's edition with the life-size I baby thing do not because it's very cool that sounds awful and awesome i don't want it we'll, we'll talk yeah we'll talk about not getting it <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so then they showed, uh, you know, there's this character called Mama, uh, who is basically the, the, the bad things are called BPs and they're kind of, you know, invisible ish in the world that you live in. Uh, I still don't understand too, too much about them, but basically there's a baby version of this one that Ma- the Mama character has connected to her and you can kind of see the, the strand that's connecting her, um, to, to this other person that she calls it her daughter and and she raises her and it's very weird uh and i wish i could talk about it more but 
it's, my voice is not <laughs> cooperating with and me very also, well. And also, how do you? How and do it's you so even talk about yeah, it? like you it's need to look it up online you know, they, if you haven't. Yeah, heard it's. It because... I was, and it's tough now because it's like I was trying to avoid it, but now I just like after seeing that presentation today, I want to absorb as much of it as I can. Uh, it's only a few months away. It comes out in November, so it's like it's so close, and I cannot wait to play it. And is it going to be on Game Pass? No, it's only it's a Dang PS4 it. exclusive. This one actually, oh, so this sense. one will not be on Xbox at all. Uh, it's being published by Sony. Yeah, so, yeah, but the, like, and then the actual gameplay, it's like you're walking around, like, delivering packages and, and, like, stuff like that, and it doesn't make any sense to me, but you're also trying to rebuild America uh, by connecting the strands that were once, uh, there's, I don't know, there's so many layers to this game and to so many Kojima games, and, I'm you know, he's back in, like... It's a true Kojima game, is what you're saying. Yeah, like, it, whatever was missing from Metal Gear Solid Five, he doubled up on it for this game, I feel like, <laughs> and it's going to be amazing and i'm so excited for it uh you know the right right by there you go what's next <laughs> um so the next game that i played was called no straight roads and that is a game basically it's like a music game but it's not a rhythm game which was really great for me because i suck at rhythm games um you know, I keep talking about how much I suck at games, but I am good at some games, as Stardew Valley would tell you. Um, puzzle games on your phone? Yeah, I'm all right at those. I feel like some puzzle games I, like, kick ass at, and then other puzzle games I just can't. I just can't. Uh, but this one is basically you're playing a rock duo, and it's like a, a spunky girl and her guitar, and then her buddy and his he like plays the drum and they're like a band and uh and they go into a like an america's got talent type of situation but then they do really well and they get all the like applause and the cheer and blah 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 and then every the judges all fail them because they're not playing edm because edm is what's hip right now so you're only allowed to make edm (laughs) and uh they live in this town called vinyl city and uh the nsr are the people who are like in charge and they are the edm people and they make it so that rock is illegal it's banned and so now you got to fight the good fight to like take down edm so that rock can prosper yeah yeah it's pretty it's an interesting concept and then it was really neat because you're like you play music, but it's not like you have to tap at the right time sure. or anything. You just like hit a button and it plays music. And then that causes things to happen so that you can fight the EDM guy. Um, and then you like your instrument is also a weapon. And so you, like, what's the, like, what kind of genre, what genre is the actual gameplay? Like, what are you actually, are you running around and stuff? And so I like 3d or like side scrolling, like what are you doing in the game? So the part that I played was you walk up to the audition. I don't think it's either of those. (laughs) Um, You like roll up and then you play the thing and you're like in this little arena circle thing that you can't go out of. And you have to just it. That part was basically to show you how the controls work. Okay. Yeah. And then after that, you end up in a cut scene where you're meeting. Oh, I think the guy's name was DJ Supernova, and he's like a the a huge EDM DJ, yeah. and um, everything about him is like planet solar system themed. And so then you end up 
you're like back and forth talking with him. You're not really doing anything. It's just a cut scene. Sure. And then you're fighting him and he's like standing, but then he has like a solar system around him where like, you know how all the planets go around the sun. He would be the sun in that situation. And then the planets are having their trajectory in circles around him. Okay. Um, but they, he like is controlling them and you're standing kind of on the track that they're going to follow. And so every once in a while it'll like turn red. And then you know that that planet is going to go really fast and run you over and you're going to take damage. Mm, okay. Um, but like in a way that isn't super lots of pressure, it, okay. it felt, it felt challenging, but it didn't feel like, oh my God, I'm going to die and I won't sure. be able to get through this. Um, and the fact that it's not a rhythm game, like you're using music as a weapon, but it's not like you have to hit everything on the beat. Although if you're able to follow the beat, it will be helpful to so you to like dodge like, attacks okay. and stuff like that. Because do the attacks come based on the rhythm of the song that's playing? Or I what? think so. Okay, cool. Yeah. Like, I don't think it's strictly that, sure. but it's definitely connected. Yeah. And then like, as you play music, you like build your super special thing as long as this glowing thing is within your music bubble or whatever. Right. Um, so it's not side scrolling and it's not, I don't, I don't know what genre it is because I'm new at video games. So. You, keep, you keep playing that card, but you've been playing for like years now. So yeah, well, I still couldn't tell you. Maybe, <laughs> Maybe um, you got to broaden your horizons from farming simulators and puzzle games. No. no. Yeah, I'll broaden them to graphic 3. novels oh. and maybe a little Borderlands. Yeah, and some Death Stranding. Apparently. Oh man, Death Stranding. It's just so interesting <laughs> yeah, sounding. Yeah. Like, what is happening? No idea. No idea. Why is happening. there this weird baby yeah. aquarium attached to your chest? Because he's know. still in development. Yeah, it's yeah. bizarre. And then sometimes he like figures out that it's not in a mother's womb. So you gotta like put it back, but in like a simulated mother's womb, but then it sinks somehow via the internet to that mother's womb, and that makes it feel better. Like, did you hear that sentence? That's <laughs> yeah. F. What is happening in right? that game? <laughs> I don't uh, know. I'm so excited for it, though. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Anyways, NSR was great. NSR um, being... No straight roads. Yeah. And, but I don't think that's what NSR stands for. In the game. In the game. Because no. NSR is the name of the bad guy, like, people who have taken over yes, the city. for sure. Anyways. Um yeah, it was super interesting. I definitely would play more of it. And it was like lots of bright colors and neon lights and like cartoony looking. It looked very stylized as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it looked neat. Yeah. Had a neat art style. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was my next thing. And then I think I met up with you after that, shortly after that. And we hung out for about five minutes before you moved on to... Uh, first, actually, I played some Google Stadia, oh, which I was I've been stoked for not specifically for that product, but for the whole game streaming from Mostly the internet the Xbox as a whole. Um, you know, I've as far back as in 2010, uh, I was subscribed to a service called OnLive, which was kind of like a Game Pass, 
but it streamed games from the internet and uh, the Deus Ex game that came out around that time, if you bought the physical copy, you got a copy of it on this play on live service. Uh, and that was, uh, you know, internet wasn't really there then, but now it is. <laughs> but they tried. They tried and it was they really were cool. Ahead of the curve. And I thought it was cool back then, but now it, like, you know, both Microsoft is pushing hard on it uh, with Project xCloud, which is set to start demos in October sometime. Uh, and Google Stadia is launching in November. Um, both kind of taking different approaches, but I played some Stadia. I literally played a round of Mortal Kombat 11, new Mortal Kombat game on a cell phone with a controller. And it was like flawless. Like I, I like, I don't, it's hard to, it's almost hard to describe like, and you're like, Oh yeah, I'm sure it would work pretty well. But it was like, it looked like it was just native on this thing. Like I didn't notice, you know, I wasn't great at the game and and maybe lag was a factor, but maybe it wasn't because I didn't notice any (laughs) person. Thank you. I mean, I beat you at fighting games. So yeah, because I try to do like moves and you're like, Oh, I'm just going to hit this And I try to be effective. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, uh, I I did not notice any perceptible lag at all through the playtime, and it looked fantastic. It was streaming, you know, I'm I'm sure it was streaming from a close data center, but it literally felt like I was playing in real time. Uh, I, I didn't get to go through that much stuff. It was it was just a round of this fighting game, um, but it was really cool, and I. Um, also, I, they, they are showing off a lot at the booth. Uh, you can play Doom Eternal. You can play Mortal Kombat 11. You, there's a couple of other games you can play as well. I'm probably going to go back tomorrow and check out Doom Eternal. Um, you know, Doom being a very, maybe it's not Doom Eternal. Maybe it's Doom 2016. But, uh, regardless, Doom being a very fast paced shooter, how's that going to feel? You know, there has to be some lag. It, it can't be unnoticeable and they're pushing this thing like on a decent connection you'll be able to stream 4k 60 frames per second in hdr and at that point why would you not like if you're you know your xbox can't handle that your playstation can't handle that why like why not get this thing instead at that point if it can do it that well man people are gonna stop buying consoles they're just gonna use their phone and their ipad and their controller because why wouldn't you yeah that's crazy it is crazy. I don't think we're there yet, but I think that give that, it five years. Give it five years. I who knows what the market's going to look like, but it you made know me... what's crazy is the internet. <laughs> yes, right? right. Like that's the world we live in. Twenty years ago, they would have been like, "Oh yeah, internet, internet," and now look at us. I think we had the internet twenty years ago. Twenty five years ago. Okay. I mean, they had it twenty years ago, but like twenty years ago, it was not as good. No, that's true. Many things weren't as good twenty years yeah. ago. And they were like, oh, this is the best anything has ever been. So think of like, totally. you know, oh, five yeah, years yeah. from yeah. now where gaming is going to be. Absolutely. Be and I think, I don't know, I was excited to play this mostly because I'm so excited for Project xCloud and everything Microsoft's been doing there. Uh, I'm very excited to jump into the home trials when they start in October. Uh, hopefully that is a Canada enabled thing because that's where I live. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was it was so cool. Again, I just had like a stupid grin on my face, not because like I love Mortal Kombat or anything, but I like couldn't believe what was happening and how well it was happening. Uh, yeah, it was so cool. It is kind of nice to see you like so excited about just something totally, that yeah, is yeah, in development. You're like the Nintendo 64 kid. 
I wouldn't put it that far. But I don't know. You seemed pretty excited. I was, yeah, I was excited. I yeah. kind of gushed about it when we met back up. I was yeah. like, holy, holy crap. Like, you yeah. you need to play this. Like, it's so cool. And I was like, I can't appreciate this because I'm new to playing video games. It's a so. lot. You're not. Yeah, I am. Uh, equally exciting. One of the things I was most excited for for the whole show. Man, a lot of stuff today. Final Fantasy VII, Stadia. I've been really excited for There's a new really niche really like how does this exist handheld console coming out uh from a company called panic inc who has been around forever and has been essentially they were made famous but like they make really good mac apps and it's apps like for coding and uh uh, ftp and that sort of thing so like they do weird stuff you know i talked to a guy his name is greg and he is the director of special projects so they do some weird stuff i wonder what else they've got going on but they back a few months ago announced a console called the Playdate, which is a tiny little handheld console that has essentially a D-pad, a B button, an A button, and a crank that is on the side of it that can also be used as an input. Uh, And it's like this incredibly unique little yellow console with a small black and white screen. And it sounds like, like just, I mean, even describing that, like, how is this going to go to market? But people are excited for it. And they partnered up with a bunch of neat game designers. Uh, essentially, when you buy the console, which will launch, uh, it's going to launch next year, but pre-orders will launch later this year. And it's $149. And that $149 comes with the unit itself, but you also get basically a season of games. And so every Monday for 12 weeks, a new game will deliver to the console, which you know again is quite old school in that it's black and white and has like a little mono speaker and you know just very very simple buttons but also has things like bluetooth and like wi-fi for downloading the games uh yeah every monday for 12 weeks a new game will deliver to it um they are apparently partnering up some very very cool developers they've only actually revealed even a couple of the 12 games so far but the game that they are demoing at pax uh and they have a pretty big booth too they're also showing off a game we're very excited for called the untitled goose game where you're basically a goose and you're you're like you just need to mess with people and your your tasks all are just like to make people angry uh, and it's got this amazing art style and everything like that. And you'll hear more about it after I talk to them on Monday. I didn't realize you had talked to Greg. Greg is who I talked oh, to no today. Yeah. yeah, good yeah. old Greg. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so they're, they're sharing the booth Playdate and Untitled Goose Game. Uh, Untitled Goose Game being published by Panic Inc. as well, who I believe also published Firewatch originally. Uh, and then now Campo Santo is owned by Valve, so uh, which is pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, Super Playdate, the, the game that they're showing off, it's called, it's got a weird name and I can't remember it off the top of my head. It's like Mr. Cranky's Crankin Time Machine or something like that. And, uh, in this game, you only, you, oh, it's designed by the guy that created Katamari Damacy, which is my favorite, one of my favorite PS2 games, uh, and a series that I would love to see resurrected in a proper manner. Um, like on the Playdate? <laughs> no, I it would, no. You can play that on the play date. But uh, this game, essentially, you are this Mr. Crankin guy, and you're going on a date with, you know, Miss or or Miss, you know, whoever your girlfriend is. Uh, (laughs) The only controls are that you are turning the crank of the play date to 
move forward or move back in time and you're late for the date you're always late for the date you're just trying to get to the date on time but things are getting in your way and stopping you from making the time making it at the time you need to make it and so certain elements are not affected by by your cranking through time like there are certain enemies like these bird looking things and butterflies and pigs and if you touch them you die essentially and you gotta start level over again but you know the the butterfly is flying at a, at a certain height so now oh I can turn the crank backwards to a point so that the butterfly is at a higher point when he actually flies past me and then I can move on without getting hit by him. So you are, it really, in a way, it reminded me of um, the Gardens Between. Oh my God, I was just thinking that. Yeah, so it reminded me a lot of the Gardens Between, which you'll hear about on an upcoming episode of Xbox Game Passengers. But in that game, you're not really, you're not directly controlling the characters, you are controlling time. Uh, And and it was similar in that you're just kind of moving forward and back uh, through time, almost frame by frame for the character um but yeah i played that for a few minutes uh, it was really neat because i so greg you'll hear you know my brief chat with him which is a lot of the info that's already available on the play date i just kind of uh, i've been excited for it since i heard about it initially uh i would just love for more people to hear about it so um, some good uh general info about the console there it's so much cooler in person than it looks like on the website it looks cool on the website but until you like see it and hold it like it's much smaller mm-hmm. than i thought it was going to be it's thinner than i thought it was going to be it they describe the screen kind of oddly in that it's this highly reflective black and white screen um and the only the the kind of way that i would put it now that i've seen it is like like if you think about like an old like a game boy screen and the blacks were kind of like a gray and there was a green like it it was not very good looking and unless you were in very very good light it was hard to see but this is like you you know even if the lighting's not great you have no t- no problem seeing it the blacks are very 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 black um it, it, I don't know. It was super cool. It's got like a, you know, rechargeable battery. They're not talking about battery life at this point, but they said it should be quite good. Uh, you know, it, there's no like, you can just put it to sleep just like you would your iPhone. Uh, and it's got a USB-C port for charging. And it was super, super cool. Yeah, I loved it. I bought a t-shirt. <laughs> that's how into it I was. Yeah, that's pretty yeah, crazy. Yeah, it's not that often. I feel like I get okay. Actually, I get excited for a lot of things, but I feel like I don't get that excited for put money into swag for it. For sure. Yeah. Like I, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Like I, it's such a, it's just such a risk, such a risky product because who, you know, and and it's like they had a decent lineup. People seem like they're having fun. Uh, they had a bunch of the units out there for playing. Um, I was kind of outside of the booth when I saw mine, he literally, you know, Greg pulled it out of his front pocket on his shirt uh, and I had no idea it was there until he pulled it out but that's like how compact that's how small it is uh, it's really cool look it up uh, you can see more at the the URL is play.date that's it no dot com no dot net play dot date uh, and yeah it'll be coming out next year yeah that'll be sweet I'm excited also it's a great yellow color oh the yellow it's what so an nice accessory. yeah the I, I asked about the yellow and he answered why it was chosen for that um, it's kind of cool because outside of the booth uh, I think you took some pictures of it but they have a bunch of like pictures of early prototype models and like the unit without the casing on and early crank designs and all that sort of thing which is kind of cool I think that there is they, they actually 
were lucky enough to have the cover story on Edge magazine, which is a very, very like high level gaming magazine that I don't think you can get here. I think it's UK based, uh, but uh, they had like a cover story and it's like 30 pages long. Uh, I think a lot of the photos came from there. Uh, it's just so cool. I'm really excited for it. I, it's $150, which I feel like it seems like a lot, but I want one. I mean, you want everything, so that doesn't shock me, but <laughs> that's not true. That's not not true. I like how when you said not, your voice cut out. So basically it was that's oh, true. Wow. Um, so while you were doing that, I was playing Luna the Shadow Dust, which is this super cute um indie game that is uh hand-drawn so i thought that was super interesting i didn't even know that that would be a thing that we don't even hand draw cartoons most of the time these days like (laughs) somebody literally hand drew all of the frames of this game which is incredible um so yeah it's hand-drawn there's no dialogue or anything you play as both this uh character that has like a white hat thing on and then this little cat and they work together and you can switch between characters and you're basically walking through and solving a puzzle in this super beautifully drawn world um i don't know what the art style is called (laughs) ever but it's so lovely it feels kind of mystical and warm at the same time and um the the music is kind of calm and brings you into the story without detracting or distracting yeah. from what you're doing and um the puzzles are really hard <laughs> but this was one of the ones where you were going to cry Oh, I wasn't quite at crying, but I was definitely at, okay, I give up. Can somebody please help me? And thank God there was somebody there to help me. At one point she was like, you see those three colors that shine through that door? Maybe other things are supposed to be those three colors. And I was like, yeah, I made them those colors. And she was like, but also those colors are in an order. And I was like, oh, God, (laughs) this is so embarrassing. Um but yeah, it was super cute, super fun to play. Sure. It feels, um, I really hope the cat doesn't die. I don't oh, want no. it to be sad. The cat's like wearing this little like costume. So like its face is put, yeah. like, I wouldn't have known it was a cat. I thought it was like a piece of like a dust bunny or okay. something. Um, but it is a cat now that sure. I know that it makes sense. Um, and it's kind of all, it kind of feels like it's set like, in the old, old world, like it's all like cathedrals with stained glass type, okay. but like not an actual cathedral. Right. It's just like bits and pieces of things. Uh-huh. Um, and then you like go into a room at one point and I think it was kind of spelling out the story and murals on the wall. Um, I don't know. It's just, is really interesting. And the development of the, like, it's a small company. The woman who did the, um, who composed the music uh, is from Toronto and I that's who I got to interview so when you listen to our PAX special of interviews right. later you'll hear her and her perspective on, this, right. on the game um, and then there's a woman in the UK who did all the art. It's taken her three years to draw all she's that doing, out. She's doing all of the art for the game on her own? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then there's two more people who are part of the development sure. uh, who are in Shanghai. Okay. And then I guess um, 
the gent who set me up with the interview is from uh, a German publisher. Okay. And they... Oh, wow. That, I hadn't seen the screenshots. That art is very nice. Right? Yeah. yeah. We'll have to put some screenshots up because it's hard. It's hard to describe. Right. Like, it's just... It's so endearing and beautiful and... and Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, so it's made by Lantern Studio and then um, Application Systems Heidelberg is the publisher who okay. is backing them right now. And uh, they actually have a whole lot of really interesting titles. I got to talk to the guy from that company. Oh, cool. He was telling me about some of their other titles. And I was like, oh, I want to play that one. Oh, I want to <laughs> play that one. And then I have to quit my job now. So There are a lot of games to play. There's so many games yeah, to play. Are. I feel like it's uh, it's so it's coming to an event like this. Like, like we talked about it before, how it's just like, it's so different from something like San Diego Comic Con or any comic convention, because I feel like those ones are so like, it feels like you're just there. I mean, aside from panels and stuff, which are very cool, like you're just there to buy stuff. Yeah. And, and here it really feels like, like so many of these booths, you could just walk up and chat with the people that literally created this thing. Which uh, feels so special. Yeah. It's a, it's like a totally different feeling. And yeah. I mean, you can do that at some, you know, at some comic conventions, you can go up and talk to these creators, but at the big ones, it's almost impossible because, yeah. you know, they have a capped line of 50 people behind you and it's a matter of buying your shit and getting it signed and getting out of there. And here it's like, it's a huge gaming convention and it's, you know, multiple, it's the whole Washington, state convention center the hotel across the street another hotel down the street like so much stuff is going on and yet everything feels so accessible like it feels it really feels like if you want to check something out like you can. aside from a few very very specific large things like final fantasy 7 or borderlands in certain circumstances or whatever like it feels like a lot of this stuff you can walk by. It's something can catch your eye. You couldn't buy anything there if you wanted to. They're just there to show off their art and show off what they're working on. Um, I mean, there's still a lot of the consumption stuff too. There are places selling, uh, you know, computer accessories and pins. Pins are huge here. Everyone pins loves collecting pins. Everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Uh, pins and shirts and and you can consume and buy as much as you want. But it really feels like that's not the focus as much as it does at other places. And I, yeah, I, like I. I Last year when we went to PAX, I think I left stating that it was one of my favorite conventions just because it felt so accessible and so interesting. And I left it being like, okay, like these are, there's so many new games that I'm interested in from tiny, tiny companies that I never would have heard of if if it was not for an event like this. And I really appreciate seeing that again this year. Well, and you kind of feel like you're on the secret inside of something. Like at one point when I was playing, I think it was Liberated. Yeah. I was talking about how I wasn't sure about how I was supposed to do this thing. Or like, I think I was even apologizing for not knowing what I was doing. And the guy was like, no, like this is, you're giving me really good feedback. Being able to watch you and watch what you're struggling with is giving me information that I need to be able to develop the game. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And it just, like you feel like you're on the inside yeah. of it because a lot of these games aren't available yet. A lot of these games are still a little bit clunky and they're still figuring yeah. out the the finesse of them. Totally, yeah. And oh, yeah, a lot of them, like we we checked out, a, or you checked out very briefly. I do want to see more of it, but 
there's a game called Paradise Lost, which is in development, and they are showing like an old, old alpha build, um, and it's like a story-driven, single-player narrative, like, say no more, I'm in. But they were like, oh, have you ever played Firewatch? And we're like, well, we're into this. Like, yeah. Uh, and also the art was beautiful. Yeah, but yeah, he was talking about like just how uh, much he appreciated seeing people getting to play it, and, and he was a, the guy that was uh, demoing this game was one of the art designers, so whenever people are like, oh, the art's so cool, he's like, yes, I did my job well. Like, yeah. Just all this stuff, which feels like, I don't know, it feels so much more real than what you see at some places. Yeah. Um, speaking of that, I totally forgot to say I played a game called, uh, it's an isometric RPG uh, that is and coming. And what does isometric mean, Derek? <laughs> I had to explain that to you. I know, yeah. and so probably other people no, want to know too. No, I'm not worried too. about that. No, look it up. Google. Uh, but it's uh, this point-and-click RPG uh, that is coming to Steam next year, and they are exploring console options as well. But you, it's it's based on a Polish series of novels, which I feel like all the best games are. Um, Literally, there's like like how many like 12, 16, 20 games of that. Book. Oh yeah, and they all and look so I cool. I want to play. Yeah. 90% totally, of them. yeah. Uh, but yeah, you are a detective who essentially solves crimes that happen in video games. So it's set in this future where, you know, people essentially live in these virtual reality worlds. And I played a demo, it was about 15 minutes long. Uh, they said that there were, you know, you will go in and solve cases in a number of different worlds during your playtime with the game. I was in a free-to-play farming game uh, called, like, Harvest Farm or something like that. Uh, and it was, like, this weird... But it, that was inside of... Like, that was just one part of this game. That was that was the game that I was in. But, but that was one part of the overall game. Yes, yeah, okay. yeah. You will go in multiple different games, multiple different genres uh, to solve different cases at different levels and, and all that sort of thing. But this one was like, there was people that were basically slaves inside of this free-to-play farming game, which sounds oddly like it could be a real thing, <laughs> uh, which is kind of... Oh my of, god, it's like Ender's Game. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was uh, it was so cool, and I, I it, it it was a quick demo, and I wish that I could spend more time because I feel like there was so many different dialogue trees that you could go down, and I really I don't know I really enjoy that in games like this when you have all of these different options that you could take, and you can uh, you know they talked about how adaptive the game is to your, the choices that you're making, and uh, you can kind of go into this like deduction. Uh, menu which shows like kind of all the clues of the certain case of the of the case that you're in that you've unlocked and you can kind of get more information based on that and you can try to like solve certain elements of the case with more or with less information and if i talk to this guy and 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 talked in the right way that might like unlock dialogue trees when i'm talking to this other person like it seemed like there's so much story there um and it just seemed like a very like the concept is super interesting i remember watching the trailer and thinking it was super interesting and having no idea it was based on a novel um but yeah, it's like a lot of these games are, like I said. But it was uh, I'm definitely gonna keep an eye out for this one because it was just like like you said. I I know you watched it. You watched me play it. You did the interview because my voice was completely gone at that point. So thank you. Mm-hmm. But uh, I know you said it didn't look like you were like your style. But I feel like I like at the moment I started playing it. The moment I started having these conversations with the characters, like I was in because it's really what I'm drawn to is these narrative single player experiences and. 
And just the idea that like you're in this future where people live in virtual reality and blah, blah, blah. And there's crimes happening there and you got to go like, that sounds so so freaking cool. So I was in before I even went there and then playing the short amount of time that I did. Um, I, I loved every second of it. So I am definitely going to keep my eye out for more. Um, yeah, we've been talking for a long time. That was our day. That was our day. I would love to stop talking. Um, but first, I mean, I would love to know what are like, we did a little bit of walking around. What are you most excited for, uh, for the remainder of PAX? Uh, well, the untitled goose game yes. for sure. Also, I want to play every single thing at the Annapurna booth. And I didn't even know that until we got here. Yeah. And then I realized that we had looked at the Annapurna booth last year and it looked amazing. Like the Edith Finch game, which obviously I love, as well as many others. Most of the ones that they have this year I hadn't heard of before, yeah. but they all look super rad. Yeah. Um, there's like three more games at that Polish booth that I probably want to play. <laughs> Mostly I just want to wander around and like, it's always it's funny because like you, games. I was going to say it's funny because all of the stuff that you're describing that you're most excited for yeah. is up on the sixth floor, which is like the smaller totally. developers, smaller Oh companies. yeah. Like all these big companies are kind of overwhelming and like, it feels like you need to be a certain kind of gamer sometimes. And I just like, I don't know if the other stuff maybe feels more accessible. There's also the indie mega booth, which is on the main floor and it has a whole bunch of different indie developers in one little area. Um, Spirit fair. I'm going to play tomorrow, which is, I think about like guiding people through death, which sounds totally so incredible. I believe that one was announced for Xbox game pass as well. Oh, so I I I might be wrong. The guest, if you draw that one, right. Uh, anyway, so yeah, there's lots of stuff that mm-hmm. I am excited for, and uh, we'll see how tomorrow goes. Yeah, I was going to say for myself, um, some stuff at that Polish booth, like that Paradise Lost. I really wanted to oh, get yeah. a better look at that. Uh, Stadia, I want to check out more Stadia. I want to check out what it feels like on a computer, because um, they were running Doom on a tablet and on the computer, so I want to see how native it feels. Um, uh, there's a game called card apocalypse, which I just kind of wandered by today. Uh, and it looks like it's like a really weird, almost like flash old flash game art style. Uh, but it's like a single player, like card battling game with like a storyline and all that sort of thing, which I'm super into. Um, you know, I almost like single player card battle. You know, if I think about like my, the best card games that I've played, it's been like stuff like Card Fighters Clash, which was a Neo Geo Pocket game. Like that's one of my favorite games ever. And I've been trying to emulate that feeling for about 20 years now unsuccessfully. Maybe this will be the one that does it, but I'm looking forward to checking that out. Um, and also Annapurna as well. Annapurna has, there's a something hearts. Uh, game that came out that has a really amazing art style. Looks really, really cool, really fun. Uh, they're also showing off a game that is available right now, so I don't know why I need to check it out at their booth, <laughs> but it's called uh, Telling Lies, which is a follow-up to a game that I played a few years ago called Her Story, which was a really unique, like, narrative detective game where you're basically using, like, a 90s computer slash search engine to try to, like, pull up these video clips to figure out, like, whether or not this, this girl was telling the truth in regards think to this murder or this crime that had happened um it's absolutely worth checking out it's a wonderful game it's available 
for like almost everything, I think. But this is like a follow-up by the same guy. It's been several years since that game came out. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, and there's a game called Wave Break as well, which our friend Carlos Lopez is actually manning the booth. But he, uh, it, the press release for it said basically it's like a, you know, if you love Tony Hawk, you need to come here. Today is actually the 20th anniversary of the first Tony Hawk game. Uh, and that's one of my favorite series of all time. So. You love Tony Hawk. I do love Tony Hawk. You have Hawk. to go there. Oh, I, I will. Yeah, I'm going to. <laughs> this is the stuff we're still excited for. Uh, yeah, there's so much. There's so much to see. So much I haven't even walked by yet. PAX is awesome. And PAX uh, is awesome. PAX is awesome. I've had a great day today. Let's go uh, to bed. <laughs> it's pretty early, but... Uh, you know, okay. it's been a day. We also went to an Elder Scrolls event oh, this yeah. evening. Like, how are we forgetting <laughs> to talk about things? There's just been so many yeah. things in the day. I think also, too, because we divide and conquer. Sure. I like that we can split up and just, like, go for the things that we're really sure. actually interested totally. in personally. Yeah. But then also we can share some of the things yeah. that yeah. we are both interested uh, in. So Bethesda, last year they threw something together called Bethesda Gameplay Days, which they were showing off. It was mostly Fallout 76 themed because that hadn't come out at that point. But uh, they are, today they were focusing on uh, Elder Scrolls Online. Uh, so it was a neat event. They had some some free, neat swag, including an exclusive pet for the game that's only been giving out at these conventions. So that's cool uh, because I have been playing some Elder Scrolls Online, which you may hear about. I'm just revealing all of the upcoming episodes Uh-oh. of this show. But uh, several weeks from now, you will hear me talk about the Elder Scrolls Online, uh, which I had a blast with. Uh, and that made me really excited for this event. Uh, they announced some stuff as well. It was the first place you could play off the play the next chapter in the season of the dragon which is the current year story for elder scrolls online but they also talked about uh some improvements coming for q4 including a lot of performance improvements to the game uh they've rewritten the looking for group mechanics so they said you will actually be able to find a group uh which i guess is something that's been happening lately is it's not been working out so well uh but there's also they also announced a new uh imperial city dlc which it sounds like there might have been an imperial city event before uh uh, but they're coming out with another one. It's going to be free to all players. I think they said this fall, but I might be wrong on that. It might have been early next year. Uh, but it was cool. They had like a dragon that blew out like fog and all that sort of stuff. So it was uh, it was a good time. I've been really into that game lately. Uh, Michaela played it at one point as well. I wonder did this did seeing this happen a little bit did it make you more inclined to potentially jump back into the Elder Scrolls Online? I mean, honestly, if I had the time, I would already be inclined to sure. jump back into Elder Scrolls. But there's so many other games that I want to play. Like, I have, like, Greece is on my phone, and I haven't started playing it yet. Which was, like, I have your favorite game from PAX. Full year. That was your favorite game from yeah, PAX last year. 100%. Yeah. Like, that is crazy yeah. to me. Um, so as much as I would love to get back right. in there and spend another two hours yeah. designing a character, probably not going to happen anytime soon. Yeah. There's so much stuff. I really, so I would really yeah, like you to play Graveyard Keeper at some point because mm, no. it's very Stardew Valley. Yeah. Uh, and then ish. I will lose all of my time. I, yeah. But it's so much fun. Yeah. Uh, that was on Game Pass. It is no longer on Game Pass, but I'm bringing it up because they have a very, very, very cool booth. Yeah. Uh, it's coming up for the Switch soon, which it feels very, very much like it's, like that's where it belongs. Uh, but basically in their booth, they have a bunch of real life coffins, uh, that you can lay down in. You can play graveyard keeper in a coffin on the Nintendo switch. And it's freaking hilarious. You know, what's crazy. We laid in a coffin today. Like how many yeah. people have that experience yeah. while that's they're true. alive? Yeah. Probably not many. Unless you're choosing out your casket. 
Do you do that? Do people do know. that? Maybe if they know they're dying. I guess. Dark. Yeah, that is getting dark. But <laughs> that, we got uh, to lay in a coffin in a fun way. It today. was a fun way. There was fog. There was fog. There was fog yeah. there too. And I mean, put fog on anything. Well, and it was in. like the ground was like grassy. Like it was yeah. like a whole fake graveyard. There was some was astroturf. Very well done, is what there I want to say. Yeah. What do you call the crosses? Headstone things. Yeah. yeah. Very well done, Booth. Yeah. <laughs> do you want to stop talking now? Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. Mostly, I just want you to stop talking now. <laughs> but like in a kind, loving way. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, you know, we didn't talk that much about Xbox. And so if you came here looking for Xbox games, I am sorry. There's uh, a bunch of other episodes. You know, this Go is a Xbox Game Passenger slash Geekscape.net joint. So, uh, you know, we're just talking general game coverage. But uh, PAX has been great. And we will be back tomorrow talking about what we did then. <laughs> what we will be doing tomorrow past uh, tense past tense, the past tense at that point uh and then next week be sure to be on the lookout for uh both a regular episode of xbox game passengers which will drop on wednesday uh which we are talking about gears of war ultimate edition uh my friend mike joined me for that episode but there will also be another episode of xbox game passengers where uh which is collecting the developer interviews that we have been recording throughout this amazing Super weekend interesting stuff definitely get in on that yeah we'll get a bit more in depth on all of these games that we've been talking about and more more i'm sure so be Mm -hmm. sure to be on the lookout for that uh yeah as always this has been xbox game passengers thank you michaela for coming to pax and for being my guest on this episode thank you for having me i feel like i didn't do my job of holding up all the talking because you love talking about games but you know i tried I tried. Thank you for bearing with my terrible voice. Hopefully it hasn't been too bad. Uh, And yeah, we'll be back tomorrow for another PAX wrap-up episode uh, of Xbox Game Passengers. Uh, Yeah, as always, you can follow us at XGP Podcast uh, or at Geekscape.net. And we will see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.